Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you uh, for probably the very last time live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit. And I just want to say, um, Will has already chosen his next segment. Um, he's very excited about it. Um, he will, um, he, he's very anxious to return to the show. And we'll get back to breaking big stories. Um, you know, as I've been looking through the, some of the stories that we broke, um, we have broke, <coughs> we have broken some big stories this year. Um, the Megan McCain story is probably, um, the biggest one that we broke. Um, but the Katie Seagal story, the All My Children and One Life to Live, um, reboots are among those that we've broken. So, you know, we're very proud. One that I wish I could have broke, um, but didn't, is the alleged feud between Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. Now, for certain, there is no evidence that this is even a thing. Um, it seems like people are looking for a reason as to why the show is ending. And the two female co-stars feuding is as good as any. But the truth of the matter is, and I know this is not something that people want to hear, but the ratings were not all that great. Um, as we talked about, it, even though it was still NBC's second highest rated sitcom, um, just under the good place, um, for the amount that they were spending on the show, um, they were not getting a lot in return. They weren't getting a lot of bang for their buck. Um, and there, there has been another possibility tossed out that um, the reason why the reboot is ending on NBC is because it could potentially be moving to um, NBC Universal's streaming service when that launches. Now, at this time, that seems to be an unfounded rumor. Uh, and as far as I can tell, um, Hulu has streaming rights to the series for the foreseeable future. Um, at least the the first run of the series. Um, the second run they have, the second season up now, and I believe... Um, I believe, um, 
that'll disappear once the third season um, begins. Uh, but if you look at the overall, it ran for eight seasons initially, and then an additional three seasons for 52 episodes. Um, which brings the total up to like 11 seasons. So, <clears throat> if there is an alleged, or if there is a feud as it is alleged between Megan and Deborah, I, I don't think that that was what brought the show down. But, um, we've already talked about how they've unfollowed one another on, on social media. And we've talked about how um, some things that were said. Well, Deborah Messing poured gasoline over the fire. And just watched it ignite. Um, when she posted a picture of her, Eric McCormack, and Sean Hayes with the caption, Love These Two. Now, again, this is not something that is new or um, even completely outrageous. Um, This is something that This is something that um, ha- happens all the time. You know, it could be that Megan was not set. Megan has other other jobs. Um, or it could also be that perhaps, and I know this is going to come as a shock, but maybe... It was just those three. I don't take pictures with all of my friends. Um, You know. I don't. I've taken pictures with. um, Dave and whatever. But not Mandy. I don't think Mandy thinks that she and I are feuding. Although if I write another. Piece about. How Taylor Swift is the good guy. We might be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty sure Mandy's still really bitter about that piece <laughs> um, uh, uh, alright let's, let's move on from that um, and in the next segment we're going to continue talking about Will and Grace um but another story that I really wish I had broken, um, but unfortunately I didn't. But I'm still really, truly intrigued by it. So take a deep breath, and I'll be back before you know it. And I'm back. And we're continuing to, um, to talk about Will and Grace. Um, no, this is not the Will and Grace episode. Um, but there was a lot of news coming from them yesterday. Um, 
And this time, it's all about Demi Moore's mysterious guest star role. Um, as you know, they're, they're already filming season three, even though... Um, even though it's not going to debut until mid-season, um, I think basically what NBC probably told them is to have episodes prepped for when one of the other sitcoms goes sideways and doesn't quite work out the way they're hoping. And, you know, also with editing... They can um, a joke that might seem stale or aged very badly. They can swap it out and put in another one. Um, so, so they're already filming, um, and assuming that they're not filming in order. Um. It looks like Demi Moore will be joining the cast for, obviously, for at least one episode. Um, But sources are saying it's probably a multiple-episode arc. Uh, And keep in mind that they do have an order for 18 episodes. So, um, there were a lot of naysayers on the boards yesterday saying, oh, you know, with the, what little time we have left with the Fab Four, this should be all about them. Here's the thing. Generally, I would agree. But, in this case, I don't. Here's why. There is, um, there, there are going to be plenty of episodes for them to get back together and just be the four of, uh, just be the four of them. But if, as I predicted, the last season is going to revolve around Will's wedding to McCoy... Um, what we're going to then see is, um, we should start seeing family members from both sides pop up. Um, the picture that was posted that gave away the news, uh, was of Eric McCormick and Demi Lovato on set together. Which led people to all sorts of speculation. Um, Some people are thinking that she's going to be uh, Jack's son's recast wife. Which, let's be honest, that is definitely a possibility. Um, Some have speculated that she's going to be a cousin or... Um, a cousin to Will or possibly one of his students. And again, definitely a possibility. 
Um, but I was thinking she could be McCoy's child. Even though McCoy is younger than Will, we don't know by how much. Um, and it's not outside the realm of possibility that McCoy could have had sex with, with a woman and unknowingly got her pregnant. And this, of course, would lead, leave open the possibility of a spinoff later on. Or... Even potentially... Um, lead to a breakup and reconciliation with... Um, Vince, who many fans think is Will's true love. I am not one of those people. But I think that it would be remiss of me not to at least mention it. Uh, After Demi's rough year, uh, it really is nice to see her um, working again. She hasn't released a new single in a while um, so I don't know if that means she's gonna if this is going to be an acting phase for her or or what uh, but everyone seems to be thrilled that she's um, she's gonna be guest um, guest starring on Will and Grace and Uh, more than that, though, it seems as though she's been a very, um, she's been a, a professional on the set, which, you know, for any guest star um, to be working with, with, with those four, you have to be at the very top of your game. Um, and so for them to be thrilled by Demi um, joining in and just praising her, lavishing praise on her like they have, I think is um, a good sign that she's got her her life together and um, and everything has pretty much um, moved forward. And before I end this, I just, I, it's not going to happen. Um, but I really, really wish we could get, um, like, a, a mind swap episode where Will and Karen and Grace and Jack, or, um, Grace and Karen and... Will and Jack all swap minds. I just think it would be hilarious. And, you know, a lot of fun. Alright, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna come right back. And I'm back. And. So, we've been talking about the Civil War that broke out 
after Scooter Braun purchased Big Machine Records and therefore um, Taylor Swift's Masters. And it, it, it's been a huge scandal. Um, or not a scandal, it's been a huge controversy. Um, with many people weighing in about um, about certain things, um, a lot of people, especially men, have said that she needs to shut up and get over it. Um, she knew what she was doing, um, and Scooter Braun had every right to buy this company. Here's the thing: nobody's arguing. That he didn't have the right to buy the buy the company. I'd even go as far as to say nobody's arguing that um, the original owner had the right to sell the company. The biggest issue here is. It, Taylor Swift made it be known that she wanted her masters back. And the contract that was offered to her to get her masters back was not one that anybody would find acceptable because it would have left her in a loop. Let me explain. So the the contract stated that for every new album Taylor Swift put out, she would be given one old, one of her old records. And to a lot of these guys that seemed reasonable, but here's the thing. Let me explain to you why that's not acceptable. First of all, she would have had the older work, but the newer work would have been controlled by by these people. Furthermore, the only reason, and I mean no disrespect to Todrick Hall, Demi Lovato, um, or anyone else on Big Machine's record, but the only reason why that business sold for $300 million is because of Taylor Swift's catalog. They knew the powers that be knew that if she were to get her masters back, they needed some sort of leverage to continue to make this business worth something. Now, I think people can argue that this was a good business move on their part. And I'm not disagreeing. It was also shady as fuck. Because for them to come out and say that she had an opportunity to buy her master's back when they know that that's not true, that's not okay. And when I say buy... I don't mean by producing another record that she's eventually going to have to produce another record for. What I mean is... She should have had the opportunity 
to pay for cash for her masters. You know, the other argument has been, oh, well, um, I forgot his last name, but Scott helped build Taylor's career from the ground up. And there's no disagreeing with that. You know, and... Again, the thing here is... Just because someone helps you doesn't mean you owe them... You know, your life. And I think that's where people get very confused... When I was offered my contract, um, this was a very popular press, and it it really would have set me up for life. Um, I would have been able to put that I was a USA Time, um, USA Today best-selling author. I'm probably a har- probably a har- harlequin. Um, bestseller um sorry my mind just jumped to track there for a second um you know I I don't know why I said Harlequin um I would have been able to um but I would have had all these really great titles underneath my belt Um, and, um, but it was too much, too high of a cost for me, but Taylor Swift chose the opposite route, um, and she did go with the, with the big, and that's okay. You know, Will wants to be traditionally, traditionally published as well. I'm certainly not going to look down my nose at him. He deserves to have the career that he wants. Because he's talented and knows what he's doing. And he will make a publisher a lot of money. But that doesn't mean he owes them his life. And that's the point here is yes Big Machine Records helped launch Taylor Swift. But they didn't do it out of the kindness of their heart. They saw something raw and they saw potential in her. And she has made them a ton of money which is repayment enough. So for those of you saying that she knew what she was doing when she signed the contract, I need you to also keep in mind that the industry has evolved and continues to evolve to this day. So things that were not thought of 
in the past, you know, streaming wasn't thought of 10 years ago. But now it's how most people consume their music. Um, you know, there's um, Jackie Collins. We've talked about this. Found one of her books in digital, but she fought and said, you don't own those rights. I do. I only sold the publication right, the, the traditional publication rights to you. Fought and got her, her copyrights back. So, for those people who think that she's in the wrong, that's the argument for why she's not. She's repaid her debt. She should have been able to pay cash for her masters. So her re-recording them, as she keeps promising to do, has nothing to do with... has nothing to do with being petty. And everything to do with keeping her her work and her copyright. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And we've talked a lot about um, writing and the different various issues associated with that. Um, but there's one topic that I keep being, that keeps popping up that I really think needs to be addressed. Um, and I'll be addressing this in a, in a post later on as well. But, I think that it's, it's important to, um, just kind of verbalize what I'm thinking and feeling at this point. So, almost every single piece of writing advice I've seen has suggested that writers can only be successful if they stick to one genre, one or two genres, or one or two subjects if you're a nonfiction writer. And that's hogwash. Pure, unadulterated hogwash. Let me explain. So, if, if you look at a, a news writer, they're covering everything from disasters to politics. And I know some people are going to argue that, well, that's their job, whatever, whatever. That's true. But there's no difference in this age between a news writer and, let's say, a blogger or an essayist. There's just... The the lines are so... Blurred at this point that really they could be one and the same. Now, I'm not suggesting that you know 
an essayist has to write news. They can choose to, you know, let's say in a, this essayist that we're talking about writes about their life. That's fine. Keep doing that. Um, you know, Michael Thomas Ford wrote three... The last I read it was three books of essays. Um, and they all dealt with queer life. And that worked for him. He's, he's a brilliant writer. And then he jumped over to writing fiction. And he wrote what I consider um, a light rom-com. A more literary piece of work. And has jumped over to fantasy writing now. And in every single way, that man is a brilliant writer. You will never hear me say he's not. Um, because, yes, first of all, I really, truly do adore him. Um, I, I think he is probably top five favorite authors of all time. And I really respect the way he was able to transition from from one genre to the next seamlessly the same thing with um, Stephen King he's best known for horror uh, but he's written fantasy sci-fi some literary work Um, he's written a horror um, a hard crime novel for a publishing company called Joyland. Or, the book was called Joyland, I'm sorry. I forget what the press was called. But the point remains, he has done all this effortlessly. And he hasn't alienated any of his fans. Now, I know some people are going to argue with me and say, oh... But it, the same doesn't hold true for nonfiction writers. And I, but I'm going to counter that by saying most nonfiction writers are experts in their field. William J. Mann is an expert in researching and putting together biographies of. Celebrities, famous, and infamous people. Um, You know, and a lot of these other books are written by... Not writers themselves, but... People who are experts in their field who... Have put together a compelling piece of... um, History... Or... Whatever... Um, you know, I'm the 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 people whose career is a writer. You can kind of see them zigging and zagging. Yes, 
a lot of the people at the top have, for lack of a better way of putting this, stayed in their lane. They've stuck to one type of writing or another. But that doesn't mean that's the only path to success. You know, I write celebrity gossip. Uh, I write... Um, true crime. I write... Um, political stuff. I just wrote a political piece yesterday for Harsh Light News entitled, um, oh, I forgot what it was titled. <laughs> That's never good when you forget your own work. Um, but the point is, is I, I do jump between quite a bit. Um, uh, the piece was, is called In Trump's War on Art, Artists Win. Um, you know, so I really do, I, I tend to jump between, um, and whatever is tickling my fancy at that time. I, I, I do writing articles. I just wrote a writing article, um, for the writing cooperative titled, Writing a Novel is Like Building a House. So you can see where I don't always stick to one or the other. Um, And I've had a lot of success (coughs) um, in doing this. You know, in... For some reason, people come to me and when we're talking about writing, they always say, well, I should stick to this, don't you think? Um, I, had, I had a friend from one of my writing groups say that to me. You know, you think I should just stick to um, writing this genre? And I said, no, you write what you want to write. If you want to write an action story, write an action story. If you want to write fantasy, write a fantasy. More recently, um, I've been becoming more active on Medium, and I joined some of those groups, and I met a lovely lady, and she, uh, she and I got into a conversation, um, about her writing career, And she said, I don't, you know, they say that you're supposed to just stick to two subjects. And I don't know what I really want to stick with. I don't know what I really want to write. And I told her, I'm like, I don't stick to two. I write whatever interests me. And here's the reason why, and this is completely honest. The reason why is... I tend to prefer I, I tend to prefer um, or, no, I, no, I tend to prefer I tend to think 
that if I'm interested in something, someone else will be. It's kind of like a sense of humor. Um, you know, I love Cougar Town. That's very much my um, my type of humor. And so when I write comedy, I, I tend to write um, write it more like that show was written. And I've had great success with that. I also like a dark humor. Will and I will tell will tell dark jokes um, on top of dad jokes. Um, and when I do that, I get a great response, but from a different set of people. And that's the whole thing. By sticking to two, yeah. You'll get your fans, but you're limiting yourself to those fans. By opening yourself up, you're allowing for the possibility of... You're allowing for the possibility of bringing more fans in. Even if they don't... Even if everyone doesn't read every single one of your works. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. So, we were just talking about um, senses of humor in a, in a very um, odd way, um, comparing it to writing into genres. But... Um, one of the shows that gets it right almost every single time is Saturday Night Live. Now, not every sketch is funny. Not every season is all that great, to be honest. But they mix in enough different types of humor that everyone laughs at least once, if not twice, during the show. Um, and if you don't, then you're just being a sourpuss. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, so, um, ever since the 20, I'm going to say ever since the 2015, um, primary to 2016 election, they've had more of a political bent. Um, but the show has always been very, very political. And sometimes that has meant that there are standout performers like Jay Farrow or Kate McKinnon. And there are some performers who kind of get pushed back to the sidelines a little bit. Um, in this case, I'm gonna say someone like Leslie, um, Leslie Jones, uh, and, and to a certain extent, A.D. Bryant. Um, A.D. Bryant, especially towards the end of the season, and this is just in the effort of fairness, was busy doing her Hulu show, so that could be one of the reasons why she wasn't in as much. And now that Trump has gotten rid of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, um, 
I'm, I would argue that um, her time is going to be even more limited. But there are two that we're going to be talking about today. Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. So, for months now, speculation had been that Kate McKinnon either would not return to the show at all, or if she did return, it was only going to be in a guest star on feature player capacity. That seems to be a very foolish assessment because she has um, she has resigned and will be very much a part of um, the new the forty fifth season coming up, and she is widely expected to. Um, be a much bigger role or have a much bigger role because of the election coming up. She right now is probably without even a doubt the best impressionist that the cast has. Um, She has played everyone from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to Angela Merkel, uh, Merkel uh, to, of course, most famously, Hillary Clinton. Um, and she says she has more impressions ready to go. So that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, she will be kind of busy. Again, she has she too has a Hulu show. Um, I believe it's called Bad Blood, um, about the, um, Thernano scandal. I, I keep wanting to call the woman Elizabeth Banks, and I know that's not right. Um, but basically, we've talked about it. Kenny Kenina is going to be playing this woman who went from poor to, um, billionaire to losing it all, all over again. Um, and then she has a a ton of movies in the pipeline. So, uh, we don't know if she's going to be in every episode, but we do know she's going to play a major part. And Lauren Michaels really wanted to keep her. But did keeping Kate McKinnon come at the expense of Leslie Jones? Um, it was announced yesterday, along with Kate's, um, along with Kate saying, Leslie Jones is leaving. Now, like Kate, Leslie has been a standout. Um, her, her time has been, um, punctuated with bouts of not being seen, um, dragged down into bad sketches, 
But when she's allowed to shine, when she's allowed to, um, when uh, when she's allowed to do more political humor, and sometimes a little bit of goofy humor, we're gonna get to that in just a second. Um, she really shines. Um, recently, or not recently. Um, throughout her tenure on the show, she has played up this crush on Colin Jost. Um, it almost seemed like an inside joke for for a little while. Um, that just got to play out on screen. And then... She pivoted away from that to having this weird romance with Kyle Mooney. And it's the only sketches that Kyle Mooney has been funny in. Um, So, there's that. but also, like Kate, she's been very busy um, filming movies. She just signed um, a deal with Netflix for her first comedy special. And... Yeah, I mean, when you look at all of that... Um... You can see that she's going to be... You can tell that she's going to be very, very busy. Um, And you can tell that... You know, maybe something did have to go for her. Instead of something that's going to go is... Saturday Night Live. Unfortunately for her fans. Uh, Um... There has been speculation, but no proof that um, Lauren didn't fight as hard for her as he did for Kate McKinnon because he likes his show to come in under budget. And um, one of the ways to make sure that Kate got the raise he felt she deserved was to let someone go. Um, again, there's there's absolutely nothing to prove this. Um, there's also been some talk... Um, and, and these are among commenters, not among the actual gossip blogs. Otherwise, I'd be citing them. Um, that one of the things that was really pissing... Lornoff is he was not getting a producer credit or financially benefiting from um, any of these Leslie Jones deals and in, in the Lauren Michaels world that's apparently a big no-no. Again, there's nothing to substantiate these rumors at this point but I do expect there to be a lot 
of... I do expect there to be a lot of blind items that come from this. Um... And the reason is because, um, frankly, I, there's just something that tells me that something's not, something tells me, um, the water's not clean here. Um, and I'm sure we're going to learn about it via blind items before it hits the mainstream media. <clears throat> um, especially... Since Leslie has already booked her first post-Saturday Night Live job. And that's going to be hosting um, Supermarket Suite. Which apparently she was a huge fan of when she was a child. Now, um, this has been in the works for a while. So I don't know that that necessarily led to her exit from the show. And, And it's certainly... Um, it certainly seems that there is, um, no correlation there. Um, there is a bidding war for it between ABC, NBC, um, CBS, I believe, and Netflix. So it's going to be interesting to see who ends up winning that bidding war. Um, my guess is ABC because it was the original network. Um, so there's the nostalgia factor. And it would fit right in with their, um, funny games lineup in the summer. And, um, just before I go, we're keeping an eye out, um, especially as we get closer and closer to the season premiere week, um, we're keeping an eye out for the status of Pete Davidson. Um, this will be the second year in a row where Indy Lawyer has gotten it wrong um, as he keeps touting that Pete Davidson is allegedly on the chopping block. Um, and last year, allegedly, the only reason why he got to keep his job was because of his romance with um, Ariana Grande. Um, there was hope that she would perform on the show, and um, the publicity was good. This year, um, everyone's just kind of waiting. It's a wait-and-see kind of thing. So, with that being said, um, that's going to do it for me for today. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. And until next time, cheers.